up, everybody? Welcome back to episode number 16 of the Inside Groove podcast, presented by Raised Dyes in Tubing. I'm Nick Mumley with you, your host, as always, riding solo tonight once again. Dustin, unable to uh, make it. You know, obviously, uh, things keeping him busy out in the real world, and uh, I'm happy to be bringing you tonight's podcast as always. And what a show we've got for you here tonight. I mean, just uh, incredible week of, of racing. Uh, even though Thunder Road got rained out, um, you know, we got to see three uh, $10,000 to win shows across New England. Um, and uh, the best one, uh, I might be a little bit biased, but the best one was at White Mountain Motorsports Park on Saturday night uh, in a race that I've been thinking about now since since Saturday, obviously recording this on Tuesday. Um, I, man, I, I cannot come up with a race that I think was just overall better that I've seen at any level of racing, um, especially in person. I mean, just an incredible show put on uh, by Nick Sweet, Jason Corliss, and DJ Shaw, and uh, tempers flared, and, and uh, it, it got a little bit wild there at the end of things but uh i mean just fantastic racing between those three and jason corliss comes out on top uh we will be talking to jason a little bit later as you might have seen on our facebook page jason corliss is our guest tonight on the inside groove podcast so excited to talk to him but we got a lot to talk about otherwise here um we got to recap this wild race at at white mountain which is going to take a little bit there's a lot to unpack from saturday night uh, in the 250-lap, 10K to win race there that Corliss got the checkered flag in. Uh, he didn't see it. Corliss didn't see the checkered flag when, when he took it, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later if you haven't uh, seen that just yet. Uh, but we've also got the uh, Triple Crown final race of that coming up this Thursday night at Thunder Road. Um, one week off of the rainout that was moved to September 10th. Uh, they will uh, be running the final leg of the flying tiger triple crown series and uh it's one heck of a battle just like the overall point standings for the flying tigers the triple crown points are just as good it's just just as tight as ever um three-way tie for the lead heading into the last race there's you know 11 guys within 25 points of the lead um so it's up you know anybody can go out there and have a good night and go win this thing uh but, you know, the three-way tie up at the top uh, is going to be something to watch for sure on Thursday night. It's going to be the big story, um, and I'm excited to, to watch it unfold with all of you. And uh, I will give you guys my preview here in a little bit. Uh, but first, let's get right into the show here. And as always, the Inside Groove podcast is presented by Raised Dyes and Tubing, our longtime sponsor here at the Inside Groove. They've uh, been around since 1960. Uh, among the best in the extrusion die industry uh, give them a call at 802-868-2040 visit them online at raisedyesandtubing.com and we're very thankful for the support from raised dies and tubing uh, as always they've been with us for i think three years now it's their third year uh sponsoring us one of our very first sponsors that we had on this show way back when i first started it we didn't even talk thunder road back then uh, they were sponsoring us when we were a nascar show so um, it's been a long time with Raised Dyes and Tubing. Always uh, very thankful for their support. But uh, let's get into this race here at White Mountain. I mean, like I said, one of the most incredible races that I have ever seen in my life. 
Um, and it wasn't just the ending. I mean, this this race has everything, and it's one of my favorite races that that you know we see run in, with the ACT late models, you know, all year long. Um, you know, it's right up there with the Milk Bowl for me. Um, I call it the mid-season Milk Bowl kind of. Uh, it's you know White Mountain's biggest race, 250 laps, ten thousand dollars to win. That enough right there. Um, it is enough to grab your attention, but it always brings out a great, uh, great crowd, a great car count. There was 31 late models in the pits on Saturday night and, uh, you know, they put on a great show, but, um, the extra strategy, the fuel stop, uh, combined with whether to take tires or stay out and, and try to win it, especially, uh, coming into this year's race after Dylan Moltz uh, went out and won last year without changing tires, 250 laps on the same set, and he won the race. Um, and so that kind of threw something. I, I thought we for sure we would see more teams try to stay on the same set than what we've seen in the past. Um, and it didn't end up working out that way. Only four teams did. Uh, I, I think you know, try to stay out. Four or five teams tried to stay out for the uh, for the entire race, and they were quickly quickly passed by the guys who got fresh tires, and then they had to come in and pit. Um, so I don't think anybody finished this race uh, on the lead lap uh, with the same set of tires that they started the race on, which is uh, different than last year. I think Moltz was the only one that did it last year anyway, but he still won the race. Uh, I thought for sure we'd see more than five try it, um, but, you know, a lot of these guys realize that you know the the tires make a big difference and last year for whatever reason Moltz was able to save the car uh long enough to get it to the point where it was you know really still going at the end and able to fend off Hebert and Corliss in that race last year but it always makes for an interesting strategy play you know myself I'm a big fan of, of strategy in these races and those 150 lap races um, that we usually see in the American Canadian Tour, and especially the 50-lap races that we see weekly at Thunder Road for the late models, there's not a lot of strategy that goes into them once you take the green flag. I mean, once you take the green, you've kinda, you're kind of stuck with what you got. Um, you're, uh, with this 250-lap race, you know you have to come in and make that stop, um, and there's the fuel stop, and uh, there's the kind of transition that, the, that White Mountain takes, um, the line, the, the racing line there, it's, it's incredible. The racing line at White Mountain goes up and down as the, as the night progresses and the drivers have to find it. I mean, your car can be working really well on the, right on the inside uh, line there on the, on the white line for the first hundred, 150 laps of the race. And then all of a sudden the, the, the preferred line will kind of move up a little bit. And, you know, if you can't run that top side, then you're going to go backwards um, and vice versa. I mean, it, we saw it. We saw cars come and go um, as this race progressed, you know, up up until I would say about the halfway point of this race. It looked like Nick Sweet had the car to beat um, and he wasn't going to get touched um, in this race. But um, as the race progressed, we saw DJ Shaw and Jason Corliss start to get really good cars. And then once we got to the last 50 laps, Jason Corliss kind of prevailed over DJ Shaw and, and Nick Sweet and ultimately was able to win the race. Um, and, you know, even without the craziness, I still think Corliss would have won this because in the last 50 laps, just under green flag, you know, a long run, DJ Shaw had a really good long run car, but Corliss was still chasing him down and catching him. And, um, you know, we know how good Jason Corliss is at saving tires um, and saving his car and making sure it lasts the the scheduled distance. Um, and I think this had to, that had to play into it. 
um, at the end of this race. You know, he was really running down DJ Shaw at the end of this race. And I think, you know, even if it would have gone green for the last 50 laps, I think Corliss still still wins this race and still wins it by and ends up winning it probably by much more than he won uh, as it turned out. But, um, you know, it, it's just there's so many little added wrinkles in this race it's kind of like the milk bowl where you have the time trials that we don't usually see and then the segments and the qualifying races on saturday you know it's different than what we always see and the midsummer classic 250 is different from what we are accustomed to seeing even in the big you know 150 lap races for the american canadian tour so it, it creates that whole nother level of a challenge for these guys and it makes it that much harder to win and then you've got guys showing up you know the biggest names that you can imagine um you know show up for this race year in and year out you know wayne hellowell's won won this race before he was there uh and he was very he had a very good car early on in the race he was like a plus five in the heat race um you know put up a really good really good starting spot the car never really quite came around to be you know right up at at the front they blew a tire and they uh in the heat race and in the feature um and so you know they were down a little bit on the tires compared to everybody else and you know they were able to crack the top five but ultimately ended up going a couple laps down just couldn't find their way uh you know to the front ever in this race i think finished 19th on the night but you know you have guys like that you have guys like nick sweet and this brand new car that's been run one time at oxford a couple of weeks ago and nick sweet brings out this brand new act late model um and you know does a, a really good job with it looked like he was going to be right there to win this race right up until the end and, and he was um until the incidents that we'll get into later um you know dj shaw obviously a regular jason corliss i mean how often do you see jason corliss leave thunder road um and you really get to see a guy that a lot of people say is you know the one track guy in jason corliss it's very rare we see him go anywhere else than thunder road in fact over the last couple of years white mountain this race has been the only other time that they have that they've raced outside of thunder road um you know they raced the super late model at hickory as well um in the in the spring but you know in the act late model this these guys very rarely venture outside of thunder road and uh, they do for this race because of the prestige and because of the the money that that's on the table to win it. Um, you know, Dylan Moltz always comes up. He won last year. Jimmy Hebert's always there. Um, you know, the these big name guys that put people in the in the seats. Um, quite honestly, and there was a lot of those drivers, a lot of a lot of star power on the uh, uh, on the front stretch there during driver intros. There as I was walking up and down for sure, but um i mean there's just chris and pat and the owners of white white mountain they bought it a few years ago and they've done a really good job with this race and making it what it is because it's truly a spectacle and it's uh you know to me one of the crown jewels at least for the act type late model uh season um over the course of the year and so uh you know we'll see where it goes from here but as long as there's more races like there was on Saturday night, um, then uh, we're going to be in good shape uh, for the future with this race for sure. So let's get into the race itself. And 
our race recaps. This is a new sponsor that we've picked up here in the last couple of weeks, and we're really excited for them to uh, join on uh, our team here at the Inside Groove. Pro Heat and East Montpelier, for over 20 years now, they've been serving their customers heating and hot water needs all across Vermont. Give them a call at 802-479-9330 or visit them on Facebook. Pro Heat, professional, reliable, on time. And they will be presenting our race recaps as well as our YouTube page and our uh, weekly stat of the week, uh, which some of you might have seen on uh, our uh, Facebook page and, and Twitter page earlier this week on Monday. Uh, it's going to be something that we do. Uh, I've been doing kind of sporadically over the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to be doing it weekly now um, with uh, Pro Heat's logo on there. Uh, and this week's was about DJ Shaw and the fact that he has a average finish of now 3.4 over the last five races, which uh, has been able to help him take the points lead over Tom Carey the third. Uh, something that we will talk about later on in this show as well. Obviously, like I said, a uh, a lot to unpack from this American Canadian Tour race at White Mountain in the Midsummer 250. So, the race itself here, uh, you know it. It was Nick, all, all Nick Sweet earlier on. Early on, we were kind of waiting for, um, you know, the tire stop and when guys would come in and change out tires and um, how that would affect things. And because you know, usually that changes. You know, people come in, make make adjustments on the cars and stuff, and you know, things change obviously with the new tires. Who stayed out? Who you know got new tires and, and made adjustments? Um, so. You know that made things interesting there but we were kind of waiting for that um but early on in the race you know we saw the guys who finished one and two both out of this race before lap 20 um dylan maltz was having problems with the ignition and his number five car uh took it behind um took it behind the wall earlier on early on on like lap 16 i think it was um done for the day 31st place finish and you know just a, a brutal day for them uh as they went out to you know try to defend their their crown and then jimmy heber who wanted to go out and win this race for the first time uh had power steering problems which is not and it's not the first time that that's happened this year um for the for the 58 team um remember they had power steering problems at thunder road too that knocked them out of the race within the first 30 laps of that race as well um, but the terrible, no good, very bad season continues for Jimmy Hebert. They just cannot uh, catch a break um, with the with the 58 Vermont team. They finished 30th in this race. So the guys who finished 1-2 last year finished 30-31 uh, in, in this year's race. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, that's, that's how much things can change uh, very quickly in racing. Um, and, uh, you know, Dylan Moltz got the, he got the second place at Lee USA, but other than that, in the ACT races that he's shown up to this year, they have not been as dominant as they were, uh, last year at White Mountain. Um, and, uh, it's been interesting to see kind of not really a fall off, but they just, they, they were so good at White Mountain and, uh, in this race last year. And they, they just haven't been able to get back to that level. I don't think um except for that race at lee usa and he you know dylan's not not racing every week with the act either um so that can kind of make things more difficult as well uh but jimmy hebert what a change uh for that team this year from 2020 they did you know every race they were running up front they avoided all all trouble uh you know that car never got any damage on it at all all season long they ran super consistent 
uh, won a couple of races and, and uh, you know, really had a great season and won the championship pretty easily. Um, but this year, just ever since he, he got the win after the DJ Shaw DQ in tech at Loudoun, um, you know, it, things have just gone awry for them from Thunder Road on. Um, they've really not had a, a good finish since then that they're accustomed to. Uh, so, you know, a lot to a lot has changed for the 58 team and not for the better. It's been a complete polar opposite this year. Um, and so we will see. There's still five races left. We'll see if they can figure it out and get that car back in the top five. But, you know, they just have not had the speed um, so far so far this season and when when they do have the speed it's you know they're getting taken out um with various issues whether it's wrecking or um or mechanical problems that, that are taking them out of these races and uh it's just tough to see for the 58 team they've they're down on their luck this year for sure and that that next win is gonna be uh is gonna be pretty big for um for for the 58 team and i'm sure there will be a next win as well um but you know, as this race played out, it kind of turned into DJ Shaw versus Jason Corliss versus Nick Sweet. Um, and there was a couple of guys that came up through the field that were kind of pressuring there at the middle and end parts of this race. And I, I got to talk about them real quick, too, because how about Jeff Marshall, who's, uh, you know, just a weekly racer at, at White Mountain, um, has never been, you know, a guy that comes in for an ACT race and is a super competitive driver. But Jeff Marshall drove from, I think, like 27th to... He was up in the lead, actually, at, at points in this race. I mean, um, just great driving by, by Jeff Marshall in the 32 car. Um, you know, the, the tire strategy, he tried to stay out. It didn't quite work, uh, even though he still passed DJ Shaw at one point. Um, at one point in this race, uh, Jeff Marshall's tires were 100 and something laps old. DJ Shaw's were 30. Uh, 30 laps old and Ter and uh, Jeff Marshall passed him on, on the uh, inside of the track. I mean, you know, just crazy stuff there from Jeff Marshall and, and a great job by him uh, uh, to put together a really good solid finish. I believe he ended up in the top five when things were all said and done. Um, so a really good job by him. Uh, and then the other one's Tom Carey, who really helped save his season right here. And it's weird, you know, we say save your season. But, you know, problems for Tom Carey in, in the beginning of this, uh, in the heat races, um, really put him in a spot where he was going to have to work hard uh, to not come out of White Mountain with a major points gap um, trailing in the point standings. You know, he came in only if only four points up on, uh, on Shaw, and DJ Shaw clearly had a really stout car. Um, and, you know, Tom Carey had an incident in the heat race where, he and, and Jamie Swallow got together uh, at the start-finish line, uh, you know, coming to the white flag, and uh, and uh, Jamie Swallow wrecked it, and uh, they and uh, they put Tom Carey at the back, so they took him out of the uh, of the qualifying position in the heat race, and he had to you know, come through the Concy, and it didn't really go well for him, and then uh, all of a sudden it was, um, you know, Tom Carey. Tom Carey the third is starting 30th place in a 31 car field. Um, and the, uh, in, you know, a 250 lap race where DJ Shaw's starting right up front and, and, uh, it has a car to beat. And so Tom did a great job. I mean, to, to come back through 
you know, he took a he took a hit in the in the heat races, um, losing points because he got moved to the back, and uh, and so it really cost him there. But um, it got to the he got up to the front and uh, and was up to third at the end of this race, and it it, it ultimately worked out for him and uh, it really saved his his season, I think, because he's still right there in the points battle, which is something we'll talk about here in a second. But how about the last fifty laps of the, this race? So. It's if you weren't there, you missed you missed an incredible one. It was it was Jason Corliss and DJ Shaw and Nick Sweet. Like I said, just duking it out, you know, going three wide, going all over the place, trying to, uh, you know, swapping this lead back and forth and back and forth again. And it got down to it where Shaw had the fast car. Corliss was kind of second, but catching and nick sweet was falling off but a caution came out stacked him right up and nick sweet said you know i have one shot to get out in front of this race and and go and and win it and he had led a lot of the race in the early going but the car had kind of fallen off and um you know he goes in and, and decides to make it three wide and it sticks through the first corner and the second corner they go into the back stretch and nobody's gained any ground nobody's lost any ground they're still just neck and neck side by side uh, three wide for the lead and they go into the corner and they just ran out of room um, you know DJ Shaw was trying to pinch down on Corliss Corliss had to you know Corliss had to take the room that he was given and you know he'll he'll kind of describe it from his view when we talk to him later in the show but you know Corliss Corliss it wasn't like he could move up Nick Sweet you know kind of went in there and it was too tight and they all kind of ran into each other um, and Nick Sweet ended up spinning into the infield and there was not a, an on-track hazard, so the caution wasn't thrown. And so Nick Sweet, you know, fires it up, gets it going, and the the leaders caught Nick Sweet. And Nick Sweet drove Jason Corliss up the up the track in turn two, nearly off the off the banking in turn two onto the backstretch, um, pit uh, onto the where the pit entry road is there at White Mountain, um, and and then got in front of Jason Corliss and, and slowed up until DJ Shaw took the lead. And so uh, from my vantage point, this was a racing incident. Nick Sweet kind of, he forced it three wide there and it was working, it was working, and then it didn't. You know, any race car driver that's ever ran, you know, Thunder Road, White Mountain, any little bull ring track like this knows that you can't, you can't run three wide forever like that eventually something's gonna have to give and it's either gonna give in the form of somebody backs out or you know you wreck and that is the those are the only two options when you're three wide um and you know it never it never works out to where somebody just passes somebody cleanly it's either somebody somebody has to back out or you wreck um, it's as simple as that, and with $10,000 on the line and 30 laps to go in this race, nobody was going to back out here, so they crashed, and Nick Sweet was on the inside, he got the, he got the hit, and, uh, you know, he got, he was the one that got spun into the infield, um, but, you know, this was a racing incident, um, you know, Nick was, like I said, Nick was very upset about this, and that became very clear right away, um, because, you know, he, Ran, he drove Jason Corliss off the track in turn two, and I, I think he'll admit to that. And and it was it was clear as day. I mean, I wouldn't cut, I wouldn't put out an accusation, um, quote unquote, if you know it, it wasn't 
exactly how it went. Nick Sweet he went high on the track when he when he was a lap car, and coming out of turn two, he was on the going into turn one, he was on the inside. Corliss passes him on the outside, and Nick Sweet just doesn't get out of turn two, um, and you know then gets in front of Corliss and and you know holds him up until the old four car gets by and then under caution you know to later on you know a couple laps later the caution comes out and he's you know running all over corliss on the on the back stretch you know running into the side of him and and uh you know hand out the window and all um and so obviously there is there he was upset it, it wasn't it wasn't a mistake that he ran high off of turn two a couple laps before so you know i I guess, you know, if you, he, you know, he didn't wreck the 66, which, you know, I guess is a positive take away from it. But I just, I'm just not a fan of um, drivers using their cars to take out their anger on each other. Um, you know, I, I think that's something that words can do a lot better. Um, I, I don't think that's fair to the people that work on those cars. And, uh, you know, they didn't do anything. They didn't they didn't do the thing that made you mad. Um, you know, the, however many guys it is that go back into the shop and have to fix the damage that you caused. Um, you know, when, when somebody drives, when somebody uses their car, uh, you know, to settle a score. And I'm not saying Nick Sweet did that here, uh, you know, you know, caused a bunch of damage to Corliss's car. Um, you know, it, it caused enough damage to, to lift the hood up. Um, but you know, I'm just not a fan of, of using your car, uh, to settle a score. I'm a fan of, you know, if you've got a problem with somebody, go up and tell them that. Um, but you know, that that's neither here nor there. That's, you know, that's what happened from, from my stance, uh, from my standpoint, I, I think a, a lot of people see that the same way. Um, and you know, that's, that's what happened. Nick Sweet was upset, but you know, I, I in my opinion, you just can't do um what nick sweet did especially where you know you run the guy up the track under green when you're now a lap car um you know like i said you got the right to be upset but you just you just can't do that so once that was done and over with uh you know this race kind of started uh you know we we found out that it was gonna be shaw and corliss really battling for this win corliss had the faster card on the long run um and uh, as this race progressed, I guess, in the last 20, 30 laps of this race, Corliss was just faster than DJ Shaw. Corliss was, you know, up by a couple car lengths, you know, three, four laps to go. It looks like he's going to win the race, right? And then, damn, you know, some of the damage that was caused uh, when the 66 and the 88 got together, which was both both drivers' fault, um, you know, because they, they made contact afterwards and, you know, Jason ran into him. And, um, you know, I think that was equal parts Jason being mad and, and equal parts Nick, you know, not wanting to give Jason any room at all on the track. Jason Jason hit him in the in the back bumper. And ultimately that caused, um, you know, a, the, the hood to pop up with three laps to go in this race. And now all of a sudden we've got something that no one's ever seen before, I don't think. Uh, and if you have seen this before, please let me know. Um, but you, you've got... Jason Corliss in the lead, three laps away from winning a thousand or ten thousand dollars, and he can't see anything. The hood is up in his face, um, 
and it's right over the windshield you know there is there is nothing um and i was sitting there thinking how is jason gorlis driving this car there's got to be you know either a, a slot underneath the the hood where he can see through the windshield you just can't see that far ahead of him or or chris burnett is you know really working on the spotter stand to get him around this track but corliss is still going full speed around this racetrack with uh you know three laps to go and dj shaw right all, all over him and then you know they he keeps going and they go down the back stretch the last time shaw looks like he's he's got the race he's got the advantage into three on the top side looks like he's got the race going corliss runs up and hits him and shaw slides up the track corliss uh you know gets it to stick and comes off four wins it by wins it by a nose um and you know this is where it kind of gets interesting again because now you've got another set of people that are mad at jason corliss and this is the dj shaw crew and they're frustrated shaw shaw had a, a good chance to win this race I, I think if they don't touch coming off of turn four dj shaw wins this race um but you know that <laughs> that's the way it goes think that this is something that dj shaw kind of understood you could tell after the race and we have the video up on twitter of shaw you know leaning into jason corliss's car at the podium and talking to jason corliss and saying you know listen i am not happy about what you just did to me but under the under the circumstances i get it and you know when there's 10 grand on the line i think you know when you come into that last corner you know the gloves are off um you know either one of those drivers is going to do anything they can to win this race and so you know this was and you've also got to take into the fact Corliss doesn't know where DJ Shaw is on the racetrack. So anybody saying, you know, Corliss intentionally ran over DJ Shaw, I don't buy it because Jason Corliss literally could not see where he was going. Um, and so, you know, that opens up a whole nother can of worms, but I, I don't know. I, I don't fault Corliss for the, for the hit with Shaw. It, it's it's tough because you know we see this is something we see in nascar all the time it's kind of acceptable to use a guy up and and run him over in the last corner of a short track race if you want to win if you're in second you know we don't see this kind of stuff as often on the american canadian tour at thunder road at white mountain weekly racing you know stuff like that but i mean you know this is a situation where it's just different because those races don't pay ten thousand dollars to win um and you know talking with dj afterwards he definitely understood that the situation you know kind of allowed something like that to happen and that given the situation dj shaw there's a good chance he would have done the same thing um and so obviously shaw's allowed to be upset you know anybody in that in the situation that the 04 team was in at the very end of that race has the right to be upset they should be upset you know i'd be mad i would be really mad if that was me um you know you'd never want to be on the receiving end of a hit that moves you out of the groove uh and costs you a chance to win the race especially when it's a big race like that, that that's just that is just the nature of it you know that is that is short track racing when it comes down to it there's gonna be there's gonna be bumps there's gonna be nudges um and 
you know, this is something I, I don't think the 66 did on, uh, did intentionally. I don't think that he meant to get into DJ Shaw at when it comes down to it there, even if he did do it on purpose, you know, can you really blame him? There's $10,000 right there. Uh, it reminds me of, uh, of Tony Stewart. Um, you know, I think it, well, it was 10 years ago now when he and Carl Edwards were going to win the championship and a reporter asks him some question and he, and he's like, well, yeah, I'd wreck your mom to win to win a championship. Um, I'd wreck my mom to win a championship. Um, you know, it, it it doesn't matter when when that big when that big check is right there in front of you and you can see it. Um, you know, you're gonna do whatever you can to go to go out and win it. So I don't think Corliss did that made the contact on purpose. But you know, even if he did, so be it. Um, I have no problem with it. Um, and you know. I don't think that that's something that that we see very often, and that's probably a good thing. <clears throat> I think it's super oversaturated in NASCAR, but you know, I never have a problem with with a, a good old bump and run every once in a while. Um, that's just how I see things, and uh, uh, it makes for an interesting ACT points battle for sure, because now um, you know Tom Carey the third and. DJ Shaw are within one point of each other in the in the championship battle um and so it's gonna make for an interesting final stretch here uh you know we got five races to go uh in the ACT schedule and it's gonna make things very interesting because I think it kind of rotates you know who's better at what track you got Oxford uh coming up that's the next race it's the very end of the month it's right before the Oxford 250 so they get a long time to think about it um But they've, uh, you know, they, they've got a one-point gap here. And I, I think Oxford's a track where both T- Tom and, and uh, DJ are really strong. So they'll be able to, I think, kind of come out equal in that race, more or less. I, I don't think there'd be a huge change unless one of them has, has an issue. But then after that, you've got, um, you know, you've got Thunder Road, <clears throat> which I think could be a real make or break track tom carey has not performed well at thunder road in his career dj shaw has been among the best of the um non-weekly guys uh, when you know act comes to town dj shaw has been really really good um compared to the other act regulars at thunder road in the labor day classic he's you know he's got a chance to run top top 10 top five in that race and so uh you know, especially when they have the help of the of the 04 team and a, a team that runs weekly, um, you know, and they're they're there every week. You know, they know how to set up the car. They know how things are, are going for Thunder Road. I think DJ Shaw gets the advantage in that race. Um, <clears throat> but then as as we get down into it here, um, the, you've got White Mountain again. Tom Carey is the one there already this year. So I think I might give him a slight edge in that race. And then you got Thompson, where I think, you know, you kind of give Tom Carey the edge again um, because he's the points leader right there in the the late model division at Thompson that they've got going on this year. Uh, He's got a win there this year already. I think he might have two, actually. But, you know, he runs just so well there every single time. I think he'll be the favorite to win that race when they go in there with, you know, in the penultimate race of the year. Tom Carey's got a huge shot at winning that one. And then you got Seekonk, and Seekonk might just kind of be a toss-up um, where, you know, we don't know a ton about that track. ACT hasn't run there in a while, 
and <clears throat> to win the championship, I mean, it's, it's going to be a tight battle and you know, those two guys are going to go at it for, for the championship. And so, uh, we will see what happens, but you know, it's, it's, uh, we're able to say right now for, for sure that it's going to be a great battle for the championship. Tom Carey, the third and, and DJ Shaw, and don't count out Ben Rowe either. If Ben Rowe can start putting it, that car in the top five, uh, a little bit more consistently, you know, getting, maybe get a win or two here in this, in this home stretch, uh, Ben Rowe could be right in there as well, but, uh, it's going to make for an interesting stretch run here, um, <clears throat> for the American Canadian tour. But before we, uh, move on to Thunder Road here, let's take a moment to bring on our guest for this week's show. He is the winner of the American Canadian Tour Midsummer 250 at White Mountain. Here is Jason Corliss. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Inside Groove podcast. Another episode here and a big one as we recap the Midsummer Classic 250. And I figured who else uh, better to bring on this week than the guy who went out and won it in uh, pretty dramatic fashion, uh, I, I guess, as well. Uh, welcome Jason Corliss onto the show. Jason, your first appearance. Uh, you've been on the show many times before, but your first uh, appearance on the Inside Groove podcast, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Nick. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, enjoy listening to the show so yeah pretty neat we finally uh get to get to talk here on the uh the actual show well uh got another crown jewel off the bucket list on saturday uh first things first how's it feel to to win another one of these big races and a, a different one this time yeah it feels good um you know it's we've got a good team, you know, and a good thing going obviously, but you know, you never really want to be labeled as kind of a one track guy, you know, um, if that's the way it ends up being, then so be it, you know, it's better to be that than, than nothing. Right. But, uh, I know this team is capable of, of a lot more than just, you know, Thunder Road success. So, um, to be able to go out at White Mountain and perform the way we did and have the car we did, um, was such a good field of cars that were there, a very competitive field. So, um, it felt really good. Um, you know, that race, um, we had been real close, uh, in years, uh, past the, the past two years there, we, we finished third in both of those. So to kind of finally get over that hump and find that little bit extra, um, in this big one, uh, was definitely, was definitely big. So it felt real good. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the the whole kind of one track guy thing. I was trying to do some digging since Saturday night to find if you had ever. I obviously had the win at White Mountain in the uh, exhibition race last year, but other than that, unless I'm missing something, that's your own. This is your only points win outside of Thunder Road. Um, so I, I guess my question is, does that kind of spring you guys into maybe thinking about running more big races or more different tracks uh, as? as things progress here with this 66 team and as you kind of run out of things to accomplish at Thunder Road? Yeah, you know, it's definitely something we always talk about. Um, you know, we did run the tour back in uh, 2017. Um, we finished third that year. You know, we had a really good year and half the tracks we went to were the first time I'd ever been there. So um, that obviously leaned a lot on my crew chief, Andrew uh, Hill, who's, um, you know, set up and prepared race cars for the tour for a long time for Gene Sear and, and Brian Hoare. So, you know, we had done it once. It just it was became too much to try to do both series, um, do the series and run weekly. Um, so, you know, every year, we kind of talk about it you know is it something that we want to focus on do we want to stay home at thunder road um do we want to just run 
big shows. And, you know, I don't think anything's ever off the table um, for the following year, but um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see this winter where, where this brings us, you know, this might change the conversation. It might not, you know, it probably won't, but um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens here in the future, but uh, definitely was neat to, to go and get this one at least this weekend. Yeah, and I mean, this race, Midsummer 250s, really turned into a, a major event over the last couple of years. Um, just, uh, you know, what? how big is this event compared to, to you as a driver, compared to, you know, other big races that, that you might uh, run in over the course of the year? I, I mean, have, have Chris and Pat kind of struck gold with this, uh, with this race every year? Yeah, it's a, it's a neat race. You know, I think it brings a lot of, uh, brings a lot of energy and brings a lot of good teams um you know as you saw uh saturday night that don't maybe run regularly or or whatever uh to come and try to get the 10 grand um so it, it's a neat little format they they've got here um and it just kind of seems to be building um each year um and it definitely showed with the fans i mean there was a great turnout as far as the crowd uh crowd goes so i think there's something special there um i know there's also some other you know 10 grand to win races and some other series um around the same time so you know i think it's kind of this midsummer thing other people are trying uh trying this format but um you know it seemed to work well for act this weekend and and white mountain's just such a good racetrack you know it's a great facility the racetrack puts on great racing and and i almost feel like it's almost like a level playing field almost you know going to a place like white mountain i mean i know there's guys that are really good and they got some really good locals there i mean look at jeff marshall you know he's he's strong um riverside groveton doesn't matter but he had a really good run um but I almost feel like for a lot of the, you know, top teams kind of going in there, it's almost like a level playing field going to a place like White Mountain. I feel like where, you know, Thunder Road might have a little more home track advantage or, or maybe some other tracks. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a neat race and, uh, I hope it, I hope it continues. Now, the, the most fascinating part about the 250 for me, um, as you know, a, a fan of racing is the different strategies that it makes you, uh, that it makes a team kind of go after weekend or, you know, going into this race, you know, you have the fuel stop, you have the, the whole tire discussion, um, kind of take us through how your team prepares for this race. Um, you know, especially being at a track that you don't race at weekly, uh, compared to how you guys prepare for a Thursday night at Thunder Road. Yeah, you know, it, it, a lot of that preparation, um, you know, kind of comes down to to Andrew, my crew chief, you know, as far as handling when we're going to pit and what our strategy is going to be. Um, he, You know, we kind of talk, me and him talk before the race about roughly what he'd like to have for a strategy. But it all kind of depends on how the race is unfolding for us or or how the car might be handling or how the cautions come out. Um, so we kind of had a rough idea of what we wanted to do. Um, the way that caution came out when we ultimately did pit and most of the field pitted um, was a, probably a little earlier than we were kind of thinking we were going to. Um, but the way our car was handling and the way the race was kind of unfolding and the fact that, you know, everybody else came, um, that was you know, ended up being the right decision, obviously for us, um, you know, as, as far as like, uh, preparation for the car, you know, you just maybe do some extra things to it, uh, maintenance wise. So make sure the car is going to last for that, that long, make sure all the oils and grease and everything in it is good to go. And, um, 
make sure no nuts and bolts are going to fall off the thing. But, uh, but yeah, you know, other than that, it's just a matter of uh, showing up there and, and ready to change uh, shocks and springs or whatever you need to, to try to optimize the performance of the car. Obviously, like you said, uh, we tested there once this year, but it was in the spring when we just shook down the car. Um, so um, we definitely did not end up racing on the, on the same shocks and springs that we started the day on. We changed a couple throughout the day and uh, you know, again, um, kudos to, to my crew chief for, uh, for just making the car better throughout the day. So, yeah. And I mean, we go back to last year too. I mean, Dylan Moltz beat you guys, beat you and Jimmy Hebert on, on old tires when you guys had, had swapped tires this year. I mean, that was kind of the big story was, you know, is somebody going to be able to do that again? Uh, you know, Nick Sweet tried um, for a little bit, but it, it didn't work out. I mean, did you guys come into this race prepared to, for a for a scenario where, you know, you might go 250 laps on a set of tires or was it the plan all along to come in and pit? Yeah, our plan all along, I think, was to come in and pit. Again, there, it depends on how the race shakes out and depends on how the car is going. But usually, if we've got four tires in the pits, we're going we're gonna to try to optimize them because you know most of the field's going to as well. Um, and our, always our hope is that, you know, the car's well, you know, good enough that we can put tires on and still come up through, you know, if we're behind a little bit, um, if need be. So, um, yeah. And, and the way it all shook out, we were a little bit too free on that first run. Um, so having those tires and be able to make an adjustment and put fresh tires on was the game changer for us. You know, there in that first run, we were basically the third best car, you know, it was Nick, uh, DJ, and then us, um, and we were a little bit too free and, and. Again, Andrew made a great adjustment during the pit stop and we put our tires on and, and that was the difference maker. You know, if it was a hundred or 150 lap race, I'm not sure we would have won it. Um, but, uh, you know, having that pit stop and having that strategy, it just, it, it played out perfectly for us. All right. So now we get into the fun part. Last three <laughs> laps, uh, hood pops up on the windshield. I mean, first of all, was there any warning that the hood was going to pop up and then kind of what goes through your mind when it does and what's going through your mind all just take us through those last three laps there because that was crazy <laughs> yeah it was crazy um i'm kind of glad i didn't see it <laughs> um yeah it, it it didn't know there was no warning um so i i did end up having a little bit of nose damage and i could see the hood was raised just a little bit so i knew um I knew there was a little bit of damage there, but ultimately um, there was no fluttering. There was no nothing. It just, next thing you know, I'm staring at, the, I'm staring at black darkness. Um, and so at that point it's, well, yeah, what am I going to do now? You know, it's, it's, I'm in the lead. There's three to go. We've made it this far. I mean, I'm not just going to stop, you know? So <laughs> So the problem is White Mountain, you know, you kind of want to be, you know, later in the run, it seems like when the tires start falling off a little bit, the, the groove kind of migrates and you kind of want to be in the middle to outside lane. And that's where we were running. And DJ was kind of in our tire tracks, about a you know, car, car length and a half behind us. And, you know, we were, I felt like we were in really good shape. You know, we were really fast and the hood comes up and quite frankly, I couldn't run the middle of the track anymore because if I tried running the middle of the track, I was going to just blow the corner. I needed a point of reference because I couldn't see. I was looking out the left side um, of the car just past the window net to kind of look out kind of at the ground to see where I was. So I moved to the bottom of the racetrack because that was the safest bet for me to use the white line as my as my guide, as my reference. Um, and, and kudos to my crew chair, my, uh, my spotter and car owner, Chris Burnett. 
Um, my crew chief comes on and, and yells at Chris and tells him that he needs to help me. So Chris was trying to tell me to go straight and turn and oh, turn, turn, yep, straight, straight. And it was the most comical thing. I wish we had it recorded, but he, he wasn't really doing a damn thing, but he felt really good about trying to help me get around the track. Um, so yeah, I just, you know, I just focused really hard on that white line and, and, and then DJ came to the outside. And I think that honestly helped a little bit. Cause I could kind of on the, at least on the straightaways knew where I was, you know, if I need, if I was too low or too high and I was able to kind of move up a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, we just kept digging for the last few laps and, um, yeah, somehow, some way, I, I still honestly really don't know how we pulled it off, but yeah, it was pretty traumatic. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, somebody, we shared the video of it on Twitter and, and somebody, uh, shared it on back on their page and, and said, uh, what in the name of Dale Earnhardt? So <laughs> I, th- I figured you, you'd enjoy, uh, hearing that, but that, that was a, if, uh, if there's anything to ever happen in that race, that that was kind of Dale Earnhardt reminiscent. <laughs> that was it for sure. It was crazy. I mean, yeah, I just don't understand how it happened just with three laps to go or four laps to go. It's just like, what? It, what are the odds of that happening? You know, and it took the whole hood pin bar. I mean, it broke right off the right off the bumper and the whole hood pin bar, everything. All my hood pins are still in. I mean, they're all still there. They're oh, just wow. they went with the hood. It went up. It was like the most, you just couldn't script it any more crazy and wild than that. But uh, I'm just glad it all ultimately worked out. And yeah, definitely some fireworks. That's for sure. Yeah. And uh, the fireworks that kind of led to you getting the the hood pushed up were, were very interesting to see as well. I mean, um, you know, you and Nick Sweet are two guys that do not come to the top of somebody's brain when they're thinking of, you know, a driver battle or uh, you know maybe a little bit more than that um you know you and i mean nick obviously tried to make it three wide you were there he came off you i think most people are in agreement with that um you know he was pretty upset during the race um i i gotta ask you now though did have you guys talked at all and does the way that you know he raced you there during that race especially pushing you up off the um out of the groove and and turn two there late in the race while he was a lap car does that change how you would race him in the future yeah you know the whole thing was it was just it was frustrating you know and i'm a little disappointing um i i understand nick's upset um but he shouldn't be upset at me. Um, and it, it, you know, it was one of those things, me and DJ, um, prior to that caution, you know, we had drove away from him. We were about a straightaway ahead of him and I was trying to track DJ down. I felt like we were doing so and the caution helped us get back, line back up. Um, and I think Nick was at a point where either his car just didn't change and, you know, me and DJ got a little bit better or maybe his car got a little worse after his pit stop. I don't know, but it was almost like it was, a. You know, he, he had a move he could make to potentially win that race and he took it. And and I had no, I have no issues with him going three wide with us. I mean, it's 10 grand to win. You know, I have no problem with that. Um, you know, and so I moved up a little bit as much as I could, mostly out of self-preservation. I didn't want him to hook me in the left rear and spin me as he's trying to go three wide. So I moved up as much as I could but I'm bouncing off the 04 when I'm doing it. The 04 is not going to put himself in the third lane because Nick wants the bottom. It's just, we're three wide. It's a tight racetrack. Hey, we're coming to the end. Um, and so, yeah, we come back around and yeah, the Nick bounces off my door and spins out. And next thing you know, we're coming up on him and 
And uh, yeah, it was like he was waiting for us. And, and unfortunately, he was. Um, and he put me in the third lane off of two. I had to back out of the gas, drop in behind him. And then he kind of slowed up to let DJ go by and hung me up on the outside, which is where the nose damage come from. You know, he lifted and, and dragged the brakes, let DJ get by. And I, I got into him and then I stayed into him because I was upset. Um, and my team did a good job calming me down. I just didn't feel like that was right. Um, the caution came out and yeah, he started swerving at me and pointing at me and I'm, I just didn't understand it. What did I do wrong? You know, I'm the, I'm the guy in the middle. It's typically if you're going three wide, it's the guy on the outside or the guy on the bottom. They're usually the ones that need to lift out of it. Um, unless it's the guy in the middle who's forcing it three wide, which I, I was there, you know? So um, yeah, no, Nick and I have not talked at all um, about it. Um, and, and yeah, it's just uncharacteristic. Um, I hope that, you know, I hope it was just emotions in the moment that got the best of him. I hope that, you know, he has some time to reflect and hopefully we can, we can get over it. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's over with, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a lot easier for me to say that because we won, you know, and not hold any animosity towards him. But um, I hope there's nothing coming for me down the line because I feel like I had absolutely nothing, uh, nothing wrong there. Um, the only other incident that me and Nick have ever had on the racetrack, I mean, at all, as far as any contact was, 2014 um memorial day classic um i came off turn four um we bumped a little bit he tapped the wall and we had a historic photo finish at the line it was my first ever late model win and and it took it, and there was some hurt feelings then um and it took it took a long time for i think those uh fences to be mended um so I don't know if this is kind of, if he's thinking about that moment a long time ago and, and having some feelings about that, but, um, you know, that was a long time ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't feel like, uh, this was warranted. So hopefully we're past it and, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, we'll see, we'll see where it goes from here, I guess. Yeah. And so, uh, after the race was obviously very interesting as well. I mean, there was a lot going on when I got down to the front stretch and, and uh in for the podium there uh you know there was people yelling in the stands and uh you know tom carey was yelling back at the fans and uh, everybody seemed to be mad at, at somebody uh and i don't think everybody was mad at the same guy um but you know you get out and you know you've been hearing a few more boos than usual simply because you've been winning more than just about anybody else but this time you heard a, a few more boos i think um so are you, do you think that, you know, winning so much has kind of made you a villain in some people's eyes? And if so, are, are you okay with that title going on? Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I think, I think it has, you know, and, uh, and that's part of the, that's part of the deal, I guess, you know, you, you, you always want to be successful, right? You always want to win races. That's the goal as a race car driver. You don't go out there just to ride around. Um, you go out there to try to win and, uh, we're definitely very competitive, at least I am. And, and that's the goal. Um, we set the bar really high for ourselves. We work really hard and uh, thankfully we're able to get those results. But as you're thinking about that success, you never really envision this part of it, right? Cause you never really think it's going to be that attainable to get to that point. Um, but I'm okay with it. You know, I'm okay with it. I, I, I definitely, um, it's not a role that I'm used to, you know, I feel like I, I'm a pretty uh, outgoing guy and, and pretty easy to get along with. Um, but 
the fact of the matter is race fans are awesome. You know, race fans are passionate. That's, that's what makes them awesome. And everyone's there. They're not there to just cheer on everybody. Usually they're there. They have a family member, a, a, a neighbor, a, or just a guy that they want to see win. And, and that's not always me. You know, they have people that they're there to see. And if they go there and their guy doesn't win and, and I'm the guy that wins, well, they're not exactly too excited about that. And if they go to two races and I win, say both of them by chance, well, they're sick of seeing me win. They want to see their guy win. And, and I get that, you know, and I, and I respect that. And that's the beauty of our sport. So, um, I, I you know, it, it's, I think Earnhardt said it in, in, and I don't mean to steal it. I said it, Victor Atlantic, a few weeks ago at Thunder Road. But as long as they're making noise and they're into the show and they're not just sitting there on their hands bored out of their mind, I guess ultimately that's all that matters. You know, as long as the sport is uh, is stronger for it, um, and and people are excited one way or another, then that's cool. Well, before we get you out of here, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Thunder Road because there's a lot going on there too. Um, so obviously double points night did not go well for you guys. You had the problem, you finished last and Chris Pelkey finished first. Uh, and now there's a points gap. Um, so you guys did pretty much the same thing last year when you had to recover from the early season DQ. Um, so, you know, going back to last year, what is the most important thing, um, that you guys need to do, uh, to get back into this and win a third straight title? Yeah, it's the same plan as always. Um, we just got to finish in the top five. We just need to come from the back, go forward. Um, and more than that, we just we want to win races. You know, if you win races, points take care of themselves. But really what it takes is just coming up through the field and, and getting top fives. Um, you know, obviously, I think it's too, um, you know, it's too early, I think, in the game to really be worrying too much about just Chris or just uh, – um, or just Trampus or, or some of the other guys, you know, Tyler or any of those other guys, um, you know, maybe later in the year, the last few races, you maybe try to, I got to beat that guy. You know, I got to focus on just beating that guy. If I do that, that's enough. I think right now it's just, you just got to go from the back to the front, um, get as much as you can every week. Um, so you just can't hurt yourself. You can't make foolish mistakes. You got to make sure the car's prepared in the shop and you don't have any, uh, you know, stupid failures or um, you can't make any foolish mistakes on the racetrack that take yourself out of it because uh, any more DNFs um, are not going to be good um, for the points. So um, we got to just, you know, we got to keep plugging along, keep doing what we've been doing and we'll be fine. Um, you know, can't control the luck end of it. And uh, hopefully we we're, we're down with some of that bad luck it's there yeah and i mean obviously it's it's still a ways down the line but you know it's our job to talk about it at the same time um absolutely but uh <laughs> you know we are uh you're right there you know you've got an opportunity for that third straight championship that's only been done twice in the history of this track uh in the late models and uh you know how much does that being in front of you and knowing simply how hard it is to be able to to pull that off um, how much does that drive you this year to, to really want to go out there and put your best race forward every, every single week? Yeah, it's definitely neat. You know, I was, I was around, um, you know, I raced with, uh, me and me and Derek O'Donnell, um, raced for rookie of the year the same year. Obviously he got it, you know, cause he, he won everything, won every championship for the three years he was there full time. So to watch him do it. And, um, our program was kind of, they're certainly not where his was at the time. Um, and to finally kind of build to get to that point. Um, um, it's been big. So to be able to watch him do it now, you know, have an opportunity to do it ourselves. Um, it's right there in front of us. We just got to be smart and, um, you know, just 
do what we can. Um, you know, we've been very fortunate, um, you know, the way things have gone the last few years and, uh, you know, I'm definitely very thankful. So, um, you know, it, it won't be the end of the world if we don't get it. Um, but you know, we're, we're trying really hard, you know, and, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just, you know, we just love it up there and, uh, just try to win, just trying to win races, man, just trying to win races. And, uh, um, the point stuff's cool, but, uh, you win enough races and hopefully that'll take care of itself. So that'll be the goal. Hopefully we can win a few more Thursday nights here before that deal wraps up. And, uh, hopefully that means we accrued enough points to, to get another championship too, but we'll see what happens. All right, Jason. Well, thank you for taking the time, uh, with me here today and, uh, where it's going to be, it, well, it was one hell of a show on Saturday night and I'm sure the second half of the season at Thunder Road, uh, is going to be one hell of a show with the with the points battle that's shaping up. So best of luck to you in the rest of the season, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. And as always, our interview with Jason Corliss brought to you by Fast One Motorsports in Middlesex. They've got whatever you might need for race parts and accessories. Give them a call at 802-223-5888 or stop by and see Pete today to help you bring home the checkered flag tomorrow so let's talk some flying tigers uh big week for them this week at thunder road the uh, triple crown gets it wrapped up here uh the third race of that triple crown series and what a battle it is at the top of the points if you haven't heard tied three-way tie uh for first place between kelsey woodard Jaden perry and, and rob gordon uh, you know, three drivers that could really uh, benefit from a Triple Crown win. That would be huge for uh, their careers, all three of them. It would be a big accomplishment. Um, but, you know, there's also there, there's a lot of a, a lot of people that uh, are, are in contention for this that um, are, you know, it would be huge for them to win this Triple Crown. I mean, look at the top really 10, 11 12 in points uh you know you've got steven martin tanner woodard brian wall mike martin logan powers colin cornell jason woodard kevin streeter cam willette are all really within striking distance of this thing um and it's gonna be a show um it is gonna be very very difficult to uh get to to track all these points um i'm gonna be on the radio for this race uh, on wdev um, so if you're not at the track or if you're at the track and you want to listen to me on the radio as well, um, tune in for, for that. Um, but I'm going to be trying to track the points live so we can kind of figure out who was the, who's the champion, like, uh, as soon as it happens. Um, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do that with a pen and paper. It's going to be very, uh, it's going to be very interesting to say the least, but, um, we'll see. Um, but I'm just excited for the race. Um, this is going to be a really good one. Uh, you never know quite what we're going to get from the flying tigers. They've had a week off now to kind of prepare for this, the extra week, uh, after the rain out. So it's going to be a big race. It's going to be the race of the night. It's going to be highly competitive. And, uh, with such a tight battle, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something similar to white mountain, um, on Saturday night where it is, uh, you know, guys going all out for a chance to win this thing um and uh and and get the triple crown trophy um so we'll, we'll see what happens there um you know i, I want to come in and make a pick for this but it's it's so tight that i i really can't 
<laughs> pick somebody out of this crowd. Um, you know, Brian Wall has been huge in these big races. Mike Martin has stepped up at big times this year. Um, I mean, what if, uh, you know, what a story it would be if Tanner Woodard came out and won this thing. The rookie um, wins the Triple Crown. That would be one heck of a story. Uh, Steven Martin's right there. Jason Woodard, don't count him out. Um, you know, 18 points back. You know, that is not a terrible margin for him to uh, <clears throat> have to recover from here. I, I think he can definitely pull that off um, if everything goes right for him. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see, I suppose. Uh, but you can't count anybody out of this really 12 guys that could go out and win this Triple Crown uh, on, on Thursday night and, and bring home the trophy. We'll see if somebody can win the race and the Triple Crown. Um but I'm excited for it, and uh, late models are going to be in action too. Um, and uh, as long, uh, along with the street stocks and road warriors, uh, we haven't seen the road warriors in a little bit. It feels like, um, well, we saw mid-season championships, but um, they didn't race governors' cup, so we've only seen them, seen them race once in like the last month. So I'm excited to see the warriors get back out there, um, and uh, you know, possibly even take some notes if. I, if uh, I am serious about getting this Road Warrior car for next year, um, I guess I should get to taking some notes. But uh, that's all we got for you this week. Um, really excited for, for the week of racing uh, and a great week um, of, uh, of racing in the past, even though we only got to really see one big uh, one race there. It was a big one, and it was a good one uh, with Jason Corliss getting the win. Thank you to him for joining me as well. As always, thank you to our sponsors, um, Ray's Dyes and Tubing, Pro Heat and Fast One Motorsports, all for their support throughout the season, helping us bring great coverage to you um, throughout the year uh, at Thunder Road and with the American Canadian Tour. So we'll see everybody at the track on Thursday night. Should be a, a good weather night and uh, and no rain and, and that we'll have to worry about, at least uh, as of right now. So um, we will see everybody then. And uh, excited for the Flying Tiger race, Triple Crown finishing it up. Uh, and uh, I'll be bringing that race to you with Lee Cattell on uh, WDEV on Thursday night. So excited for that. But we'll see everybody then, and we will reconvene and talk next week. This has been the Inside Groove Podcast, presented by Raised Eyes and Tubing.